Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Unbound and Rewound podcast, a horror podcast, where we dissect the creepiest books and movies to look into their bone-chilling anatomy. I am Avery, your lovely host, and today I am joined by a former colleague, former supervisor, and great professional friend. Minerva, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you so much for having me on this show. Um, my name's Minerva, and I'm a writer, an author, who also lingers around the spheres of commentary um, and climate change solutions. So I'm very big on those. And I'm also in marketing, so you can catch me doing one or the other on social media. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, for sure. And what we are talking about this week, before we get into it, you are an avid anime watcher, is that correct? Yes, very avid, absolutely. All right, so we have a little bit of an expert in the building with us. Um, So besides the show that we watched and decided to talk about, what else are you watching currently or are you reading? So I'm currently reading um, Fall of Souls. And it's by R.A. Moreau. And it's a very intense love story with like elements of Egyptian mythology. And the writing's really poetic. So I highly recommend that. And as for watches, I just wrapped up Tales of the Macabre. And then I'm moving on to this anime called Monster. And I'm also watching Little Women, which is this really thrilling K-drama. Like it's on the edge of your seat K-drama. So I'm, I'm really excited about that one. Is that one on Netflix? Yes. Okay. Yes, I remember I added it to my list. I just have this aspiration to get back into K dramas because they're really good. I've always really they're liked so them. Um, Bump it I up. Just, Bump it up. It's so good. I know. I know. I, I will. I'll take your uh, <laughs> your suggestion on this one. <laughs> and um, so currently for me, I'm reading How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix, my favorite author of all time. It, it really is good. I think that the way that Grady Hendrix writes is just so alluring, I guess you could say. Like, you really find a way to get wrapped up into the world that he's building, which is usually just South Carolina, <laughs> United mm-hmm. States. Um, but, yeah, it's really, really good. And I'm about halfway through it. And then watching... I have been just binging that 70s show because I was reminded of how much I love it with that 90s show coming out. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm probably the only one who hasn't watched that 70s show. <gasps> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I This is a controversial take, but that uh-huh. 70s show, um, I would say tops The Office and Friends for me. Wait a minute. I know. I know. <laughs> it's so okay, I have to watch it. Okay. I have to watch it. I just think that, and the, I will say that 70s show has a bit of like a nostalgic factor to it because I used to watch it with my family, but the humor where it's just so sarcastic most of the time, um, it, I feel like it gauges my humor a lot. And, like, The Office, I never watched it before, like, everyone else started talking about it in, like, the past, I don't know, five Mm. years. So when I would try to watch it, I was just like, "Uh, okay, I guess. I know, it's bad. (laughs) It's okay, it's okay. And this is embarrassing because I've rewatched The Office, like, five or six times already. And I will will switch it out for the 70s, that 70s show. 
I, I think I think give it a try. Tell me what you okay. think. I'm gonna try to rewatch The Office too because I don't know. I feel like I would enjoy it. It's just really hard to get into the first because mm-hmm. I think you fall so easily into like it just being a show that plays in the background. It is a background type of yeah. show. Um, so then, for show, movie, or book. What genre would you not live without? This is really hard because I, I feel like I'm a multifaceted person. Like I like all types of genres, but if I were to pick one, mm-hmm. it would have to be science fiction. If you take away science fiction, I will riot. I'm not kidding. I will really riot. So it had to be that one. That's very true. And I feel like science fiction ranges across other genres. You'll have yes. like sci-fi comedy, sci-fi romance, sci-fi horror. And so it's mm-hmm. like without the sci-fi, you don't have like the edge to those other genres. Exactly. Yeah, I do. I do like a little sci-fi every now and then. I feel like, oh, I most recently watched um, Infinity Pool. It came out this past Friday. And it's a science fiction, like, horror movie. And it was really weird. Really good, but really weird. As as most science fiction uh, horrors are. Very true. Okay, I gotta add that to my list. My very long list, but we got this. <laughs> All right. So... We are getting into Junji Ito's Maniac, which was released January 19th on Netflix. And I had heard a little bit about it before, I think maybe around Halloween. And I kind of was reminded of, and even watching it, I was reminded of, I think it's a Japanese tale. Have you ever heard of um, the lady who, like, she ties a ribbon around her head every day, or her neck every day? And then, like, she gets married, she falls in love on her dying bed. Um, she, like, tells her husband to untie the ribbon, and her head falls off. Yes, I, that just kept, like, I kept thinking about that as I was watching this show. And even before, like, um, whenever I was hearing about it, I was like, this kind of, and I don't even know what what like story type that falls into would it be like mm, folklore or like fable or whatever it is i love it stayed with me because i know read i remember reading that as a kid and that was probably my first mm-hmm. introduction to horror along with um yeah. scary tales to tell i think that, I, I hope i'm getting in the mark. name right yeah that one and i had no business reading that yeah. in elementary school but i did oh, anyway nice. so absolutely not but you know they are what shape us as children as human beings Mm -hmm. so you have you have um no reason not to love them and so for this show it is a new horror anime series and it features stories from the infamous japanese manga creator junji ito Uh, his other works include tomi and fragments of horror i also saw it was uh i guess he did like an, a version of Frankenstein and I saw the illustrations of that on Google and I was like looking into him as a creator and I was like in awe of his his work for Frankenstein I think that his take on Frankenstein as a monster was really scary like I'm not scared of Frankenstein 
But the way Junji Ito mm-hmm. did Frankenstein, yeah, I would be scared. Yeah, he definitely has, his art style is so creepy in a good way. Like, it resonates and sits with you. Like, you have to take mm-hmm. a moment when you read it. Because I'm a, I'm a big fan of his mangas. And so when I read them, I like to be just huddled, um, blanket over my head. Who know, You know, just like, the, I need to set the vibes. I need to set the vibes. <laughs> and I love his art style because it's just... It sticks with mm-hmm. you. It's creepy. And not in a bad way. It's like, oh my gosh, what, how, who thinks of this? Definitely. And I was kind of... Um, I feel like... I was talking to a friend about the series. And I was like, oh yeah, like it's really good. And there was one episode, whatever. And she was like, oh, did it show um, the story about the girl who gets called fat and then she eats the boy who calls her fat? And I was like, huh? No. (laughs) But it's like, really, who thought of this? Like, that's crazy. I mean, rightfully so, though. She was definitely in the right for for eating him. But anyways, (laughs) yeah, so there was a lot of anticipation from what I saw online about this manga being brought to screen. But some Junji Ito and just manga fans in general were kind of hesitant to see what Netflix would do with it because they felt like his art wouldn't translate well with how detailed the horror is on page. You being more into manga, anime, did you kind of resonate with that side of the opinions? Or were you kind of like, oh, like, you know, I'm still excited. know about or have seen it right there was this original Junji Ito series called the Junji Ito collection and that was on Crunchyroll and it, it premiered sometime in 2018 and honestly that's where a lot of the hesitance stems from from a lot of fans um and people such as myself too so the animation didn't capture that distinct creepy factor that his manga has and so naturally watching the newer one i was left starved you know i was not fed it was it was crumbs just like the junji ito collection it didn't capture what we anticipated like i have high expectations and the animation didn't really meet them yeah that's that's definitely fair too and i think the same can be said well not entirely but (laughs) a similar sentiment can be said when um, just like regular fiction books are adapted to screen most times fans of those books will say like oh the books are so much better because they just don't capture the the world building and the characters and certain parts of that story when they bring it to the theaters or the tv or whatever the case is which is kind of disappointing because Books, manga, art in general is how people how people find beauty in the world. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm always excited to see that kind of stuff. I'm always excited to see a new adaptation, but I hate when yeah. I feel disappointed <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, I agree. With your expectations for this show, um, why did you pick this to be what you wanted to talk about on the show today. So I picked it because I feel like Junji Ito is very underrated as a horror manga artist. And I think he deserves more recognition. And so there was a lot of hype around um, 
the Tales of the Macabre because people were like, okay, the collection, the 2018 collection wasn't as good per the animation style. Maybe because it's picked up by Netflix, it would be so much better. And it wasn't. But I still want to introduce people to the world of Junji Ito and highly recommend um, if you're interested in like reading the manga, like the manga just leaves you jaw, mm-hmm. jaw wide open. So I definitely wanted to give him his flowers. Yeah, I definitely feel like this series was kind of like a soft launch to to Junji Ito's uh, artistic style. I think that it being on Netflix makes it a little bit more accessible to non-anime watchers in the sense that Crunchyroll is usually where you'll find animes, K-dramas, J-dramas, like every Eastern Asian media, that's where you'll find it. So if you're not already Mm -hmm. looking at Crunchyroll for those, you may not find an anime such as Tales of the Macabre. Um, So I feel like it makes it accessible for people to be introduced to Junji Ito. And for someone like me, who has never seen really the mangas or um, the Junji Ito collection, it's kind of like, I like what I saw. So it's like, if you're telling me that it can be so much better, I'm probably going to go out and look for, you know, the better, the better versions. I don't know why it was on Adult Swim, but I'm just going to mind my business on that. But if you have a chance, whenever you have a chance, Go on YouTube and search up Junji Ito Uzumaki. That trailer sets the tone for how creepy his art style should be translated into animation. And I'm sad that that art style wasn't translated into Tales of the Macabre. So that one I'm excited for. I don't know when it's going to come out because it was like, what, a couple of years ago? Um, It feels like just yesterday, but I'm, I'm... still anticipating because I am a lifelong fan so whatever he brings out I will gladly um watch dissect but still support yeah and the trailer for this show or series um was definitely it had a creepy tone but I also feel like there was something else in it and something else that wasn't it captured my attention for sure but um, it was like I felt creeped out but not all the way and that's how I felt when I watched the intro for the show I don't know why I feel like a lot of animes do this um, some K-dramas depend- but like it doesn't matter what the subject matter is you're going to have like this poppy upbeat intro music and the art for the intro as well was just like i felt like i was at edc orlando no like let's talk about the intro yeah (laughs) yes please because i remember like i was watching it and i was like is this this is this the right show like am i watching what i think i'm watching firstly the intro low-key it had no business being a bop but I would have thought it was the intro to like an action anime or some kind of other, yeah. even a sports anime, just not that. Like it didn't set the tone for what the actual anime was about. And I was a little mad, but I do like the intro, just not for that tone. 
Why did y'all make it a bop for the wrong show? I feel like it could have been so much more, like it could have set the tone so much better for the stories that you were about to see. Like, it's like you have this, you have this super upbeat, like hype intro song, and then you go into watching a episode about a girl who eats other people. And it's just like, mm, I I don't know where we got lost in translation. Low-key misleading, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll just skip the intro. Like, I watched the first one from the first episode, but I had to skip it after because I need to set the tone, and this was not it. I, could, I watched it maybe once or twice just for the fun of it. Um, mm-hmm. But after that, it was just like, all right, let's uh, let's get to the point here. I'm not right. doing this. Yeah, <laughs> right. that, that really caught me off guard. Um, and so I rem- like I was like, oh, I definitely have to like write this down to talk to Minerva about this because since I don't watch animes, I'm like, I don't know if this is normal. I don't know if this is what it's if this is what it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. Absolutely not. It's supposed to it's supposed to match the tone, and I'm just so mad about it. even the um, ending. Like the ending uh, song was very upbeat and had kind of like a comedy comedic style to it and I'm like what is this I'm not here to laugh I'm here to get freaked out not be able to sleep and dream about being scared but no it it didn't give that yes I remember thinking that too and I actually I saw like how the intro is another like six minutes to the episode and so it's like the ending itself is a story I guess you could say um, I never watched it though. I guess yeah. I guess that's that was wrong of me. Never watched it. No, no, I actually never watched it either because it left me so upset. Like the episodes, some of them ended a little too mm-hmm. abruptly, and then others just had like the the story wasn't closed off properly as opposed to the manga. It's like they were rushing through packing two different types of mm-hmm. stories into one episode, and I just don't think they should have done that. They could have expanded on each episode um, and kept it individual. Yeah, and they had, like, there would be two or three episodes in the series that were one story as a whole. But then the rest of the episodes would be two stories in one. And there were definitely certain stories where, like, okay, you can definitely stop here. Like, I don't want to know anymore. (laughs) But then there were other... Um, other stories that I was kind of like, I feel like we just got to the good part of the story. Why are we ending now? Thank you. Thank you. And I get like some horror, it's like left to the um, audience or viewer or reader's, you know, interpretation. But the abrupt endings just really caught me off guard. For sure. So we already, we already talked about this a little bit. Um, but maybe this is something that you could go a bit more into detail how do you feel that Junji Ito's artistic style translates mm-hmm. to the screen? Um, I think that, you know, and again, I'm going to give him his flowers. When you're an extremely talented artist, sometimes it can be a little harder to translate on screen because they didn't capture that free, that creepy factor. The, the characters and the animation a bit la- lifeless and lackluster. And I think although this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think that having it in a creepy black and white style might have worked a little different, but it could have worked for 
the world um, and his art style. Yeah, which I I do recall there was one story particularly the that was one. in black mm-hmm. and white. Yeah, and I remember um, like writing it down and saying how it being in black and white allowed for more like attention to be drawn yeah. to the details of the art itself mm-hmm. because when you have too ma- too many colors at once like there was the one episode episode six i think which oh my god no it's literally the same one as the mold so it was the mold and then library vision you went from the mold being black and white to library vision being super bright oh my god i loved that i loved that art first of all the colors in there wow mm-hmm. but yeah i remember saying like this is so beautiful so pretty because everything was so bright because there were so many colors sometimes it was really hard to just look at the detail of the scenes um but then you have the mold and that character like stepped on something and pus came out I don't need to know the color of it to know that I was disgusted. Still in this house, if it's causing all of these problems, my man, move out. Please, just like get a hotel, do something, just get out. Ew. Yes, oh my gosh. And honestly, that's, I won't spoil it, but that's why it ended the way it ended. Yeah. And that's all I'll say on that. No, it was his own fault. You're right, you're right. Do you feel like horror manga or anime... Uh, can be better than live action? You know, I think I think if it can be translated properly to live action, it could it could it could hit, mm-hmm. but this show in particular did fail to hit it. And actually the ones that have been translated that I've been keeping up with, and not just from Junji Ito, but from other authors um and artists as well, they never hit the same as they were live action than in, you know, manga or anime format. So I just stick to that because you get to to have that creepy horror factor within the art style yeah. that can never quite translate as well into live action. I'm still looking for one, so if anyone has any recommendations, great. But for now, haven't mm-hmm. seen anything that's giving. I kind of thought about that as well as I was watching this series. I do think there are certain things that of course practical effects and um special effects are like super powerful in the world of horror and the things that they're able to do Mm -hmm. with makeup and technology is amazing but i think that Mm -hmm. horror animation um whether it's anime or um or manga there's just a certain bit of like I think it's like the textures and the details that are given to you know like uh like the Tony episode and seeing the head come out of or like the face come out of her head it was like you could do that live action but I feel like doing that more in like anime is a little more powerful because I was disgusted, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> that one, and then <laughs> the other one was like hair in the attic or head in the attic or something like that. And the head started, that one started, she started oh, swinging so in the, like using her hair to move. And I was like, I don't think that live action could yep. truly achieve 
this, like, you know, what this episode mm-hmm. is doing to me right now. Mm-mm-mm. Take me out yeah. now. Take me out now. Literally the example of scared to death. Yeah. Of course, I love, I love me horror of all kinds. I love live action horror. But I, I do think that horror manga and anime have the ability to be better than live action. I think it just depends on, like, what's at stake or what's at play. Um, you know, like, the stories, for example. I don't think I could see what I saw in this series live action and and be like, oh, It's so different. Good. Yeah. Yeah be mad about it <laughs> yeah true just like how people were mad about death note <laughs> oh. and get into that mm. no <laughs> no rehashing old trauma um all right so then let's get a little bit deeper into these episodes there were 12 all together but i think there was only two episodes that were just one story alone all the rest had two stories as we had talked about before 12 episodes, but like 24 Mm -hmm. stories, all in all. Um, So, of those 12 episodes, what was your favorite story or just episode in general that you saw? I think my favorite one was probably Toontown. Um, It left me baffled. Like, how is everybody okay with being surrounded with tombs everywhere, even in their house? Like, that's a lot of death. And then how the bodies could be just petrified turned into stone and everyone's just so nonchalant about it like oh yeah it's another day in Tombtown. what was that about that one and i did write it down it's like being a good episode because i with it being with it taking up the entire episode time it gave it time to expand on like details of the story and like you were saying the concept was really interesting um, with people turning into gravestones as they die, but right on the spot. Every story I think had like a a moral to it, you know. And so in this story, we saw how the character, particularly the man in like the brother sister duo, um, was kind of disrespecting this town's customs. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand it, and he thought it was stupid, but also he was guilty of a crime. And so it was like he wasn't willing to do what he needed to do properly in order to respect this town's, like, you know, customs in terms of burials and death and everything. And so ultimately he paid for Mm -hmm. it, and he, he, the woman's death was avenged, rightfully so. Yeah, I did like the ending. I mean, I felt satisfied because you're living in this person's house and you're not telling them what actually happened. I'm trying to avoid spoilers for those who haven't seen it, but it, it was it was a justified ending. And I could say that a lot of his stories had a lot of um, commentary, you know, because mm-hmm. with horror, I know that there's a lot of just social commentary or they're trying to make a point. Like looking past the horror, what's the actual um lesson to be learned from this so my favorite episode there were a lot of really good episodes i will say like the stories themselves were all of the the premise of each one really good right was the depiction of them good maybe not 
But I want to hit on, I'll say, like, three stories, because I just can't pick one. Um, Episode two, with the ice cream truck, that was... Oh my gosh, let's talk about that. I could not believe... I mean, okay, so you have this... You have this ice cream truck, and you already are kind of suspicious because it's like, what is this grown man? Like a regular ice cream truck, you get the ice cream from the window, you walk away. With this ice cream truck, mm-hmm. this man is standing outside of the truck, taking like kids inside the bus. Their parents are letting them go willingly, and then they drive away around the block, and then they're back in like an hour, and they're always so happy, and they're like, I want to go back, I want to go back. All right, what is he doing to you? Like, my first question, what is this man doing with these kids? And nothing could have prepared me for the truth. (laughs) Nothing. And then, and then the very ending, like, yeah, the truth was, was hard enough, but like the ending, oh, wow. I gasped. I audibly gasped. No, that was trauma. Yeah. That was trauma. I was, I had to stand up from my seat. When I was watching that, I was like, wait a minute, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. So you let, like like you said, you let your children go off with some stranger just because he's serving ice cream. I don't even care if he was giving out money. I don't know no. this man. So the, I think it's, but you also saw the parents were also intrigued or enamored by his looks. And I think that that provided some kind of like spell, like he glamored them because clearly he might be otherworldly. Yeah. And so... That could have been part of his abilities. Yeah. I, I also wondered if it wasn't him that was otherworldly, but, like, the bus itself. Because the ending kind of... I think this is one of the stories where it's like, okay, you have this open-ended ending. However, you kind of understand what's going on. Like, you don't need it to go on yeah. to know how it ends, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that one was really good. I loved that one. We already kind of talked about the long hair in the attic. I thought that episode was really good on the body horror. And it was also just like the concept of doing something for someone other than yourself and how it can cause resentment. And like she ended up growing mm-hmm. out her hair because her boyfriend said, you would look really good with long hair. She did it. And then she still didn't fully have his affection and attention and love and so she grew resentful of that and acted out on that anger and emotion and she I I don't really I mean like you know how I am with spoilers y'all but I won't spoil this one just know that there are there's hair in places that should not have hair that's all I'll say. Also say that ultimately, granted the ending, the the ending was justified. I still feel bad for the main character because she didn't deserve it. Definitely. Another one which we already kind of talked about too was Library Vision. I felt like as a as a bookworm myself, and that huge library and just the the fall setting of it all with the leaves outside it was like the academia mm-hmm. the dark academia vibes to it were so good i i didn't even really care for the story itself i felt like the story was just kind of i don't know 
I don't know. It didn't really hit me how I wanted it to hit me, but the art was there. Yeah, the art was gorgeous. I listen. If you don't want that library, give it to me. Give it to me. Right, right. And quite frankly, I can't imagine like putting so much, putting so much stuff in my brain at once, and like trying to keep my memory is already bad enough. How am I supposed to remember my entire library front to back? How did he do it? How did he do it? Because um, he's just reciting all of these books. And I'm, and yeah. granted, I'm a fellow bookworm as well. And I try to remember all the books I've read. But if someone asks me, what's your favorite book? And recite a line from it, I'll go blank. <laughs> and, oh, this just, this just brought up something. Because let's talk about it. I don't know if this was just me looking for problems or not. But, so in that story, at the very end, um, this is kind of a spoiler, but it has to be talked about. He's reading the book, I think it's called Hell of Thorns, maybe? I mean, he's like, this is the scariest book. Yeah, this I think is, that's the scary, scariest book that's ever, like, existed, whatever, whatever. So he's reciting it, reciting it, and eventually he turns into the monster or the, the malevolent thing that is in that book. Mm-hmm. Why did that look like a black man? <gasps> Loki. <laughs> Loki. I want to. I want to know Loki. because there were no black people in that entire mm-hmm. series. But then the thing that's supposed to be the most scariest thing that's giving him nightmares in the middle of the night is a black man with four C hair. Listen, it's giving subliminal. It's giving subliminal. And you know what? That is my that is my one dislike. I'll say it right now. That is my one dislike for this series. No, I I completely that was... understand. That did catch me off guard, Loki. <laughs> I was like, wait, of all people, yeah. okay. I remember, like, I was like rubbing my eyes and like blinking twice, making sure my eyes did not deceive me. That was crazy. Um, I also really liked. I think this. Yeah, this was my last episode that I really or story I'll say that I really liked layers of terror episode eight I think it was um about the where they had the car crash and the girl has to get her like they think that she dies oh, it's from the curse but instead yes that one oh my god no that one was so scary yeah it's like the body horror on that one I remember like watching it and just being stuck my jaw dropped like gasping at what i was seeing in front of me that one was certainly creepy just the mom absolutely went you know bonkers at the entire news and just kept peeling away and i'm like please stop i I had to just look away a little because i was cringing no nothing could have prepared me for like because you would think okay she's she's obviously dead now like there is no nothing else to her her mother has like (laughs) her mother has ripped her apart no there was still some left of her and what it was i never want to see that again i never i don't want to think about it it was disgusting (laughs) yes oh my gosh so then for the creepiest episode it would probably have to be that. I don't think there was another one that was like... Well, actually, 
how about okay i want to hear your thoughts on the hanging balloon oh my god because that one actually messed me up a little that was yes i completely forgot about that one and i really did like that one when i watched it um i thought that i think that episode is another one where it's just like that story alone i could have just written my notes wrong too but i feel like everything within that story was so prevalent to things going on within the last like three years that we've experienced but also like people in japan probably as well um because it's like there is this thing outside that's trying to kill us um but then like the dad was like oh i'll just you know like protect myself i have to go to work and when I heard that, I immediately thought, mm, COVID. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just that, there was some strong social commentary in there. Between that and then, so the the fact that the hanging heads they looked like balloons, but the string was a noose trying to kill people, and so I just kept thinking about like trick or warning the suicide rates in Japan, because I know they're extremely high. They always have yeah. been extremely high. And I just couldn't get my mind off of that. Right, and then also it. the death of, um, again, trigger warning, but K-pop idols, like the K-pop industry in itself, like, don't get me wrong, I do like K-pop every now and then. I'm not an avid listener, but from the stories I've heard and the news and headlines that I've seen, it definitely does have a darker side where there's a lot of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a really good point, too. Because when I first got into K-pop, since then, there have been so many different deaths, whether they're from suicide or from something else. Most of them are typically from suicide, though. Um, and these are young people. Like, K-pop idols are typically, if they're not young at the time that they pass away then they're young when they first start when all that pressure starts to build on them because k-pop idols j-pop idols like they have to go through rigorous training and like like boot camps just to be ready to perform on stage and look and act a certain way everything's very curated so they can't i feel like they can't really be themselves Mm -hmm. yeah and that's it that's like when i was into k-pop and I look at it now, I'm like, we don't really know who these people are. Like, I mean, that's that's how it is with every celebrity. But, you know, you have your biases and you, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I love this person the most because their personality is this, this, this. And I just can't help but to think like, or is that just the personality they choose to show us? Not the curated personality. No, I, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's scary because I feel like, yeah, there's... There's celebrities here, but with the K-pop industry, they're the most curated. And I hate using that word because mm-hmm. it sounds like a product, but their um, agencies, like I've heard so many really sad and crazy things about how their agencies treat them. We can go on and on about that because it's it's a whole different world. And in the, sh- in the oh my gosh, the episode, whenever the idol mm-hmm. does die... Um, then you have the mob of like teenage boys who are looking to point the finger and and look for the person to blame. And so I think, yeah, even that goes into because um, I like with K-pop, of course, I don't have any experience with J-pop, but like 
with K-pop idols and their fans. Like, I remember when I was into K-pop, the, they called them netizens. And so, like, the netizens were just so vile. Oh, my gosh. They either absolutely mm-hmm. loved you and would go to the end of the world for you or hated you and would wanted to see you die, would actually carry out your death if they could. Goodness. So, yeah, that one was actually really creepy because, like, the heads were just... Wow, I can't imagine what I would feel if I saw my floating yeah. head coming towards me. Literally. And then if you if you try and do something to them, whatever happens to them happens to you. So there's no winning. Yeah. Yeah. So that one was really good. I'm glad you brought that one up because I probably would have lost it in my notes, to be honest. I thought <laughs> that I would have loved the Tomi episode, but I did not. Mm-hmm. his most prolific character and yeah. Tommy could be a whole other episode but the the episodes or the stories that he's written with her are so much more creepier than the one that they chose to animate that it made me so upset I had to yeah. change my Tommy face I mean um profile picture on Instagram back because I was disgusted I was upset but <laughs> please don't give up on Tommy I encourage you to read some stories that I can actually send your way because she is so much more diabolical than what you're seeing. Like, it was... It ended too abruptly. And for it to have, like, a whole episode for just the the story of Tommy, it was like... I felt like we should have gotten more. Like, the ending was just too quick. Yeah, of course, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on her. Okay, good. Never. Good. good. Uh, I just, I definitely wanted more than what I got. And then I would say, what episode did you just not understand? Or just did not do it for you at all? I was going to say the hanging balloons one, but we had a whole conversation that pretty much opened up my eyes to that one. I would Mm. honestly say... The one that really didn't do it for me was Soichi's pet. I mean, he... It was like the last episode. And granted, Soichi is supposed to be mischievous, but they made it too comedic. Mm-hmm. It just didn't do it for me. Because he's generally a creepy 11-year-old. And that creepiness didn't translate. It translated into mischief, mischievousness. And I didn't really... It didn't do it for me. As much as I thought it would. How I felt about... Um, four by four which was like i think it was episode four and it was about like the guy who was looking for like a quieter Mm -hmm. space to study in because his brother just kept being so loud and so like it was like the ending didn't make sense and the the character of like the little brother didn't make sense at all either because he would like he was like oh no i'm not the one making noise Mm -hmm. and then the older brother finds out that it is him making noise, but he's like, no, it's not me. And then he's in this four by four room, which is dangerous in itself. Cause like fire hazard, but then like, it's just like a labyrinth of, of doors and walls that he has to climb through. Yeah. Did not make sense to me. And I felt like I don't, I don't even know why it was there in the first place. No, it, it had an aimless, like it, it was, it felt aimless and, 
you know, I'm not trying to be mean, but the minute y'all y'all saw that construction guy and how he looked, y'all should have kicked him off the house because that was not, he creeped me out. And I, I don't know why, like, none of them even registered it. Like, none of them thought for a moment, no. oh, this guy looks weird. Typically, like, when you, when somebody in, like, a movie or show, like, turns around to reveal their face and it's, like, a unflattering, so to speak, face Mm -hmm. they show like a little bit of a like a drawback if that makes sense so it's just like oh uh, hi nice to meet you but this character who met this you know like strange looking man just like oh it's so great to meet you when will this be done um do you not see what i'm seeing like Uh, you know his eyeballs are just come on now i know there's got to be some common sense in that in that Genji eat the world and there is but nobody seems to have it in that family yeah I definitely between that episode and the thing that drifted ashore on oh I uh, hated that one eight, I think <laughs> yeah that one it was very short very yeah. little action too I didn't like it Mm-mm. yeah actually I'm not gonna say I hated it because I was I was intrigued, but as you mentioned, it was it, it was cut off too short, so we didn't know the lore of because mm-hmm. it looked like mermaids or something like they turned into mermaids. Like I wanted to know yeah. more of that lore and backstory, but they again did not feed us with it. Yeah, and I think that like the entire episode was kind of building attention to yeah like the big reveal, and though we mm-hmm. got that big reveal, we it was like without an explanation or without an understanding like because they the like this i don't know seamen sea people who came out of the thing that drifted ashore um they didn't go to attack anyone they didn't go to eat anyone like they just crawled away right it could have been a whole you know mermaid apocalypse and yet y'all don't want to do anything where is the I don't know, but it, it was definitely, it left me disappointed and wanting yeah. more. Yeah. Um, but those are the two that I, I would say like, those are the two that I didn't either like, like or understand. Everything mm-hmm. else was pretty, was pretty good, honestly. Yeah. Um, I will say it was episode, like the second to last episode, um, The Headless Statue, that one? Oh yeah. That one was a little creepy to me. That was really creepy. I don't think I'm gonna be. I don't like statues in general, yeah. so that one just definitely did it for me. The the art teacher was talking about how like he does his statues without heads because in art heads just feel like an afterthought, anyways. And I feel like that served as maybe like a juxtaposition in a way because I think the head, like the statues with heads, um, they have a little bit more power. Like they're able Mm -hmm. to manipulate people more because the, I don't remember what her name was, but like the main female character in the episode didn't know that her friend was not there like she thought she was talking to her friend and that was not her friend that was really creepy the reveal i i think that was a really well done episode because it showed like the the um longing for those statues to have 
heads and emotion and they're trying to steal it off of real people that was a good one but it definitely solidified my fear of statues like i'm not gonna be in a room with one no thank you oh my gosh no whether they have a head or not i don't want to see them Mm -mm. i don't want to be near them no thank you um so then overall what would you say that you found that you liked about the series honestly (laughs) The stories covered were good, you know, that he they picked good stories to cover. I wish it wasn't abrupt, but it is what it is. But I definitely think uh, the intro and then the inclusion of the bully episode, because that one was pure dark revenge. And I read it before and that definitely left a mark on me. Oh, my gosh, you're so right. I didn't even write that one in my notes either. But that one. Yeah, I was trying to tell my friend about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, like this girl, she was bullying this kid on the playground. And then, but like, you can explain it all you want, but it just, you have to see it. Like, I, there's, yes. Yeah, I, when she revealed herself at the very end, I was in shock. I was gasping. I was shaking in my boots, I will say. I needed to call CPS. And yet, because that child is in danger. Okay. No, I felt Point so blank bad period. for him yeah. too. I think oh that had to be God. the darkest one because of like that that ending that we all know what happened. You saw whenever she was a kid how she treated her like soon like her what would you say like her future husband I guess. Um, so it's like you see all the ways that she bullied him, and so now it's like you know uh-huh. that she's just gonna be repeating that same behavior. Mm-hmm. but yeah I knew that was gonna happen as soon as like he just kept like yanking on her shirt as she was trying to cook yeah. dinner I knew I was like she's about to snap I don't know how yeah. but she's about to go off the deep end here and the fact that he left his son with her knowing what could happen that is pure evil like I I, I, I felt sad for the character the original character but now I'm just like okay you're trash for leaving your kid yeah I was like I was kind of like Okay, he did this as revenge, but, like, I I just don't understand the thought process that Mm -hmm. went into his master plan. Because I feel like he was definitely plotting on her. Oh, of course. He had been plotting on her for years, and then the day finally came, but it's just, like, this was your plan all along? Mm -hmm. Child endangerment? Crazy. Mm -hmm. I would say I also really like... um, I feel like they incorporated other stories into other episodes. So, like, there was a painting in the mm-hmm. Tony episode for, and it was like the house and like the scene from Library Visions. It was like the house and all of the like autumn trees in the background, mm-hmm. and it was in the school. And I was like, oh wow. And then you also see. Um, the, I don't know what this episode or what this story was called, but it was about the guy who um, was like subletting a room, and uh, there was like oh, an the, alley. the alley, yes. the alley. Mm-hmm. So in that one, he was reading Hell of Thorns, which traced back yeah. to Library Visions too. Um, I think there there might have been a few others, but those were the ones that I like actually caught on to. Got a really good eye. I did not catch on to the painting one. Um. That's interesting. I gotta go back and rewatch it. That's cool. Yeah, because I, first of all, I just really loved the art in that one. And I think that in the scene in, in Tommy where, like, you see it on the wall, it just contrasts with everything else because 
the school walls and stuff are gray or like a very muted blue so it's like then you Mm -hmm. have these bright orange colors and I was like oh I feel like I recognize that in the Hell of Thorns book too I was like but I also wonder well I no I was gonna say I wonder why there were so many like easter eggs to the library visions and nothing else but you do see um I think it's before the Floating Heads episode, the ice cream truck, they're watching a commercial, or they're watching TV, and on the TV, it's the idol who Mm -hmm. eventually ends up dying. Yeah, that one was a good Easter egg. I think the thing with Junji Ito is that he's, like, the the universe, it's all one universe, and everything's Mm -hmm. interconnected, so whatever appears in one, just know that it's got, like, a significant story coming after it that's that's what i like about him he's good at building that easter egg world yeah and that was one of my because i love being able to like pinpoint those kind of things out and you know just linking everything together so that'd be like the one thing that i absolutely loved about it um and you know i did really like i liked how they incorporated um the black and white episode compared to all of the other. I feel like some episodes had more like brighter hues versus Mm -hmm. other episodes that had more muted. And then you had like the black and white gray episode. And so I liked how you got to see a variation of like the animation, I guess you could say. No, I agree. I agree. I I wish they were, I don't know. I wish they were all black and white, but I did like the different, hues because it does set the tone for the like the the world yeah. and the stories that so are being told. did you have any other likes or dislikes about this series no the only dislike was that animation style but you know what it it can only get better from here i still have hope i still have hope <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully the the adult swim mm-hmm. series is still coming out yeah, I'm I'm really ho- I'm very obsessed with that one because when I tell you it does capture what the, his art style is, highly recommend that you watch the trailer. Um mm-hmm. I'm hoping it comes out sooner rather than later because I am yeah, ready to I just binge will on definitely that. Definitely have to keep an eye out for that one as well. I'll say another like I we already mm-hmm. kind of briefly talked about it, but just so that we're all on the same page here about what I did not like about this series. The intro <laughs> And the outro. I I cannot. I do not want to hear them. I feel like those were such poor choices. Um, but uh-huh. that's all I'll say on the matter. And that was really my only dislike, besides the fact that the most devilish, evilish like person in this series was a black man. But we can talk about that another day. Right, all right. <laughs> um so as we wrap up here. What would you say your official rating of this series ends? Or, well, sorry. What would you say your official rating for this series is? And would you recommend it? So, official rating, like on a scale of one to five? Sure. Hmm. I'll do I'll do a 3.5. And not because the stories were bad. They were very wonderful stories, um told i'm only giving it a 3.5 because of the animation like as an anime fan animation is a big thing to me and so that pretty much makes up the story if the animation isn't good if it looks like a powerpoint slide 
I'm I'm out. I I can't do it. But um, only solely because of that. Mm-hmm. So and I do recommend it. If if it's like your first animated intro, I would recommend it. I would recommend it over the Junji Ito collection, the 2018 one. So yes, give it a watch. It is creepy. Some episodes were creepier than others. But like we mentioned, it the animation and the style can only get better from here. Mm-hmm. I, what about you? I would say as a horror fan in general, mm-hmm. um, I would give it about a 3.5, maybe 4. A lot of horror mm-hmm. fans love gore. That's one of the things that they absolutely yeah. love. Um, whenever people were talking about Megan, the newest movie, and like when it came out, they were like, I mean, it was good, but I just wanted to see a lot more gore. And it's like, if mm-hmm. you want to see gore... This will be the one for you. Some episodes lack it, whereas other ones have it to the max. Like, you have episodes on every on every side of the scale, from goriest to yeah. not gory at all. So I feel like this would definitely work out for, like, horror fans who are looking to get into anime, or anime fans who, you know, aren't really into horror, but might, you know, consider verging into it at some point. Um, and I think that, mm-hmm. like I had said before, I think that it does make for a really good intro um, to just anime in general. Like, I, I've i always struggled to get into anime. I can never sit and watch it fully and, like, it keep my attention. Um, but this... Listen, I will give you an anime consultation. I got you. Because okay. it might be the genre that you're watching. And yeah. so, because there's so many out there. So I, I got you. Yeah. And, like, I I tried to watch Death Note. The, like, the mm-hmm. actual... Not the live action. Actual Death Note. <laughs> and it was, like, it was good. Don't get me wrong. Um, but then I also tried to watch Sailor Moon... And then I tried to watch, um, I think it's Castlevania on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. I've tried to watch all of the different popular or, like, well-known animes. Um, and they've just left, they've left me with nothing after watching them. So, but this one... So you might want to lower your voice after saying they've left you with nothing <gasps> to the fanatic anime fans You're out there who are like, wait. Death Note and Sailor Moon because I'm one of them. I know. No, I got you. I I will give you some recommendations. Um, Hopefully much better because there's a lot of hidden gems that aren't as popular, Mm -hmm. but they hit in a way that the popular ones can't. So we got to talk more on that. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And okay, let me redact my statement a little bit. Death Note did not leave (laughs) me with nothing. Um, I think I just at the time, I was heavily into my K-pop phase, so I was, I was choosing K-pop okay. over Death Note. Um, but I definitely have to give that another try here in the next like month or so. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that like when it comes to Sailor Moon, I don't think that I am. I feel like Sailor Moon um, works for like a certain group of people, and I just don't think that I'm yeah. in that certain group of people. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's fine. And that's okay. There's actually 
um, another OG anime, not as well known, but it's called Revolutionary Girl Utena. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying that last part right, but I encourage that you watch that one too because it's it's got that magical girl aspect. Oh. And there's Madoka Magica. That one's dark. So yeah. if you're into like trying to get into magical girls and seeing what about it can, yeah. you know, do something that Sailor Moon can't, I recommend those two because those were dark. What about, is it called Nana? N- Nana. Oh, Nana. Well, I call it Nana. But that one's really like very. Very slice of life. I I love it. It's just one of those OG animes that I think everyone should should watch. That and fruit ba- fruits basket. Okay, well then I will definitely have to check them out, and I will be coming to you with yes, let me know. pearls. <laughs> okay. Um, so then, as we wrap up, um, would you like to give your social media or where can we find your writing? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Minervery, M-I-N-E-R-V-E-R-I-I. And I appreciate you for having me on the show. This was such a fun conversation. Yes, I did. I was a little nervous because this is outside of my comfort zone. I don't really know (laughs) what I'm talking about when it comes to anime. But I had a great time. I'm so glad that I could have an expert on here with me. And thank you. thank you so much for joining and uh, suggesting this too. I was so, I don't know, I, I really do hope that you listeners um, have, if you don't watch anime regularly, I hope that this episode has served to kind of be like a recommendation and I hope that you find enjoyment out of it just like I did. Because as I said, I'm not big into anime, but this really like... I don't know, this might have changed my mind a little bit. Um, yes. I know. So thank you so much, Minerva, for being for guiding me in the right direction. Thank you to everyone who is listening to this episode today or whenever you're hearing it. You can find me on Instagram at Your Horror Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Your Horror Podcast, Letterboxd at Avery C-O-F, and I'm also on TikTok. There's also merch, mainly for me, so that I can buy my own merch. But if you all want to buy some stickers or something, they are on Etsy at Your Horror Podcast. And Minerva, did you have anything else that you wanted to say to the people before we go? I have to check out your merch. I didn't even know that. So I will be checking it out. Y'all go follow her. She's a wonderful host. And all things horror, She's your, she is the one. Thank you so much. Um, And yeah, thank you, everyone. All right. Thank you so much, Minerva. Thank you to everyone. And I hope to catch you next episode.